What's up guys, Chris Harry with you on a week 11 edition of Chargers Weekly. Bolts headed home to SoFi Stadium to take on the New York Jets. Coming up a bit later, a Beat Writers Roundtable. Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group, and Fernando Ramirez, Sports Illustrated, all gonna join me to get you ready for this Sunday. But first, we're gonna see what's on the menu. Powered by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, and just a heads up before you dive into this interview. My pup Sully makes more than a couple of appearances. Working from home, doing it via Zoom, we're all living through 2020. But a quick note, Chargers fans, before we get to money, access to school meals more important than ever as one in four students are now facing food insecurity. That's why Subway is teaming up with America's Dairy Farmers and Fuel Up to Play 60 this fall to raise money to help fight hunger in our local community. Head to your local Subway store before November 30th and donate your spare change at the register to Fuel Up to Play 60 to help tackle hunger and make sure local LA students have access to the nutrition they need. All right, guys, here with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. We're going to see what's on the menu, powered by Subway. Money, Chargers 2-7. and seven. If you look at their record, you would think that they were outplayed in multiple games this year. I feel like Sunday against the Dolphins was actually the first game where they were just playing outplayed in all three phases. All the other games they were in, this one they weren't in. Yeah, they weren't. Um, and I, I think – I think the one thing that that has been constant, though, is that they're just inability to heat up a quarterback. You know, it just it just has not happened. Even, you know, when Joey was in there, um, they're still struggling just to kind of get, you know, for whatever reason that that the sack totals, which then lead to turnovers and those haven't been there. They're still single digit turnovers again. So um, I think that's kind of what has set the tone for this team, at least, you know, as far as I can remember since Anthony showed up with Goss, you know, and when they can get after the quarterback and they can pressure and create turnovers, that's when this defense really operates and max efficiency. And, and I think it was just, op, you know, I, I think it was glaring because of the trouble that, that Brian Flores and the Dolphins defense gave Herbert. And, and, you know, this was clearly his, his worst game since he started. And I think it was just, it was right there in front of you, right? Like, wow, this is, this is what a defense is supposed to look like, you know, and, and it just yeah. has not been the case this year. Um, and I think, you know, in addition to what you said, all three phases, yeah, special teams, I think has been a letdown all season and um, you know, offensively they've been great. And I think when you have special teams and defense let you down and the offense isn't there, I think that's when it really crystallizes, Oh, this, this team actually does have some issues, you know, and, and it's really kind of been just an exceptional offense that's kept them in the games. Um, you know, and that, and that Dolphins defense, which I think will probably end up being the best defense they see all year uh, when it took it away. I think it, it really magnified kind of what the, you know, what the issues are on this team and and why they're sitting at two and seven. Yeah. DJ did a great breakdown of that Omiba, uh, Amoeba defense that that really kind of gave Justin fits. They they weren't able to get the ball down the field, which has been kind of Justin's signature throughout this season. Uh, But, but you mentioned it, man, the the special teams, you you get a, a punt block right off the beginning, um, a, a field goal on fourth of one defensive offsides turns into a touchdown. I mean, these are the little things that, that put your rookie quarterback just in a hole from the beginning. And, and yes, this was his worst game as a pro. And then you look at it, it's like the guy still had three total touchdowns. And, yeah. you know, he, he obviously was flustered a little bit by what Miami was doing. But I agree with you. I, I think it's, it's a lot of the things around him. You can't put your rookie quarterback – in a situation where he he's in a hole right from the right. rip. And that's what happened on Sunday. 
Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think what happens too is, so a couple of things that, that I'll, I'll, I'll get to there. One, um, I, I don't know what's going on with Ty Long. I, I know that, you know, it's a team effort, right? You got to have coverage. You got to have blocking, but obviously the block pump was on him. You know, he just, he bobbled the snap and, yeah. and that just, that wrecked everything. But I also think for whatever reason, um, he's look, he's always had good gross numbers. Those are gone. You know, like the ball's not traveling and it's not hanging. And if it ain't traveling, it ain't hanging. You got problems. And that's why on the three punts that you came grant return, they went for 2019 and 18. That's going to put a lot of stress on your defense. Right. So, you know, like you said, now Herbert's in a hole. And then the other thing I would address is, is it's not necessarily what's in the box score, but what's not in the box score. And I think when people go back and watch the game, they'll see, you know, that Herbert missed quite a bit. He, you know, they're, they're on that second offensive drive after the block punt, Mike Williams is wide open for a touchdown. If he, if he works his progression right to left, he just got locked in on the right side. And I think that's what that immediate defense did to him. It just, you know, I, I hate because of Sam Darnold and what happened on Monday Night Football. Now everybody thinks they know what the term seeing ghost is. And that's yeah. not what I'm trying to say here. I'm just saying he got, you know, he was getting heat from so many different places that he just wasn't sure where it was coming from. And is it coming here? Is this guy dropping out or did that guy rush from the left? And I think that's sped up his clock. So he wasn't working his progressions like we're used to seeing. And, and he missed, you know, to me, he missed two touchdown throws that where the pocket was not collapsing. And I think it was just his clock being sped up. Um, And I think, you know, you hit Mike on that second, second drive and it's seven, seven, you know, and and you kind of eliminate that early punt block. It's a new game. You can reset. You feel like, okay, I I got this. And, and I think, um, you know, unfortunately it just, it, it was just a tough one for him. And look, well, you know, what's, what's Bill Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks? You know, Brian Flores has been under Bill for 15 years. So it's the same situation. It's just a tough defense to figure out when you've only played seven games in your NFL career. And the thing is, Money, what do you expect? I mean, the kid has been lights out. Of course, there's going to be a game where he gets a little shook by a defense he hasn't seen before at the NFL level. So next time he sees it, you know, he'll make the he'll make the requisite corrections. But I mean, this is something that I think it's tough to put on a rookie quarterback when you're put behind the eight ball. And the Dolphins, they were. They were a couple of plays away from making it 21 nothing. If that quarterback center exchange, if they didn't bobble that, Nick Vigil didn't pick it up, that gave the Chargers life. So, you know, I, I go back to some of the other special teams miscues. Uh, those are the things Look, they're that terrible. Kind of, they, they kind of add it like KJ Hill uh, not, the not catching bounce. the ball. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's just little it's, things like that. It's a bad unit. I mean, look, I hate saying it and we're on the Chargers podcast and I'm not trying to take shots, but I think you just, it's beyond stats. Stats say they're the worst special teams team in the league. Um, you know, that's, that's a DVOA. That's if you just want to look at standard stats, which is average yards per return, average yards per return allowed, you know, field goal percentage, they're in the bottom fifth. But, you know, when you look at a DVOA and I think just more, it's when you watch it. And, you know, we had Tom on yesterday on Petros and Money and, and he took responsibility and he said, look, we let our best special, our core, the core of our special teams all left at the same time. You know, yeah. Derek Watt, Nick DeZubner, Adrian Phillips, they're all, they all left at this, you know, and you, and we didn't have an off season to which, you know, pushed back. And I said, Tom, I, I think it's admirable that you're trying to take responsibility, but I don't think it's on you. I think every single team has to deal with that. You just, with a salary cap and paying Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen, you can't afford to pay special teams players five and six million bucks a year to be special teamers. You have to develop that next wave of guys that's on the coaches. 
to identify and find those athletes that want to make a roster and be on an active roster for special teams play. And that's pretty much every team in the league. And, and he even kind of acquiesced and said, yeah, you're right, but this is just a tough year to do it, which I understand. It, yeah. You don't have as much coaching. You didn't have a training camp. It was harder to identify those undrafted free agents that make the team as special teamers because you didn't have any preseason games. But but again, I think this goes back to the coaching staff. And, and just to, to add real quick, Chris, you know, when we had Anthony Lynn on Monday, I asked him, I said, are you going to get involved in special teams? Because, you know, you, you, in, the, in your presser after the game, you said that personnel, when, when Popper asked you if that included, when you said personnel changes, did that include coaches? You said yes. And he said, absolutely. He's like, look, I was a special teams coach before, you know, on a staff. So I am going to get more involved. So hopefully they can figure out what's going on there and, and try to improve that facet this coming week against the Jets. It, it almost is like the perfect storm of – key guys going and then also you have uh no preseason you have no training camp and, and that's a, a great evaluation period to find out who yeah. can play special teams but you know it, it, you don't have that this year and and mm-hmm. this is this is the result it's a tough deal but you know you push it forward to the jets this is an 0 9 team uh a couple of weeks ago i thought they were going to beat the new england patriots uh i do see some wish they had <laughs> yeah i know right but I, I see some flashes on offense when you look at this kid denzel mims and then uh, perryman is back in the mix james yeah. crowder has been a, a pretty good player in this league for for a while and then you got a veteran in joe flacco i mean this isn't a a team you should take lightly by any stretch uh even though they're 0 9 yeah you know it's it's a tough one to it's a tough one to figure out because you look at the game last week they should have won that game you know they should have beat the patriots or two weeks ago they're coming off their bye um they were terrible against the Chiefs. Buffalo, even though the score suggested that it was close, that was more game plan. You could see that that yeah. game was never in the balance. They, they so AFC kind of, East teams playing each other, man. And there's that too, exactly. So I, I think it's important. Look, that's you know that that's also prevalent in the way that the the Chargers played the Chiefs to overtime and the Raiders to the final play of the game, and the Broncos were able to rally against the Chargers. Look, when you play in your division. You know, you just have a familiarity and those games are going to be tight. And that's the case. So and that's what I'm saying. Like, then you look at the game against the Cardinals. They got blown out, blown out by Miami, blown out by Kansas City. Like I said, blown out by Indianapolis. So it's hard to figure out, you know, kind of if this team is as bad as it looks. Um, If they're not healthy on the deep on the on the offensive line, man, I sure as heck hope this is a game where that defense can show us something because the fact that Melvin Ingram doesn't have a sack this year, uh, that they only got what I think one hit, it was the, the the hit that, you know, Tillery nearly wrapped up to and instead it ended up going for like a 19 yard completion where he nearly had him down and out of field goal range prior to uh, them kicking that field goal at the end of the half. That was it. I mean, that was the only time that Tua had any pressure. Granted a lot of it's because they're booting him around and he's getting rid of the ball quick, but Flacco ain't doing that. So this, no, it's not. this, you know, with this offensive line, this this is a game that I I definitely want to see this defensive line get some heat, get some sacks, create some turnovers. I, I don't think there's any excuse for them not to. Money, as we look at these last seven games of this season, are there any players you want to see more of in terms of just pure evaluation as we get to 2021? Because there's some young guys, maybe some guys who've been on the roster for a little bit that you know maybe need these next seven games to see, okay, are you going to be a contributor on this team in 2021 and beyond? Yeah. Well, look, I, I think 
based on what we saw from Trey Turner, and I know he's just coming back for the first time, but he had a rough go of it. Um, So I I think if he ain't healthy, you know, you probably want to figure out can can Cole Toner do what he did in that in that game long term, because that's going to save you a lot of scratch on the interior of that line. Um, You know, and and obviously considering what Trey makes, you got to figure out if, if that's what you want to pay next year you know, for Turner to come back as, as a Pro Bowl right guard, or is he having some issues health-wise? So I think, you know, on that offensive line, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Pipkins get a shot at left tackle instead of Tevy. You know, I, I know Sam's been solid and started 100% of the games this year, but if you're supposed to be developing Pipkins, um, then I think you ought to rotate that. It, it, it's Herbert's blind side. I mean, look, and that, and I think before I get to any of that, so let's just, you know, strike that from the record, I'll say this. The most important thing is Justin Herbert. You yes. know, it's it. This this is simply reps for Justin Herbert now. So I think whatever you do, it has got to be with the idea this is to make him better for next year. So then I'm going to go back and and sort of retract the whole you can't mess around with your left tackle if you think Tebby's going to be better protecting his blind side than Pipkins. Now he hasn't been great this year, so that's what I'm saying. But but I think everything you do has got to be done under the guise of what helps us next year with Justin Herbert. Um, and that's just offensively, you know, is Parham a long-term viable tight end, you know, do you move him around a little bit to see if he can kind of get out as opposed to just being attached to the line and, and put him in the slot and stuff and see if he can kind of continue to be that athlete and you bring him back for next year, obviously the speed on the outside, you know, with, with Tyron Johnson, seeing if he can be someone who's, who's in your long-term plans with that four, three speed. I think you got to figure out what you got in KJ Hill and Joe Reed. Um, you know, I think Hills, to me, I think both have been a disappointment. And and in the case of Reed, he's just not getting the reps. And I think that, to me, speaks that maybe something's happening in practice. So, But I think you got to figure those two out because we know wide receivers are a super deep position. Um, and there are some good ones, you know, every year in the draft. Defensively, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. I, I think with, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing I, – I, I would not mind seeing – them moving Kenneth Murray to the to the outside. I just I don't think it's happening in the middle for him. I know that's that's a little harsh, um, but I think you got to move him outside. I, I think he's he's better off, and you got to start sending him. Man, use that athleticism to get after the quarterback because your front four is not doing it, and just let him fly to the ball. Don't don't make him think and try to set the defense and try to quarterback the defense because it's just far too often. It's it's out of place and it ain't happening. And I think if you just let cut him loose and let him be great because he's a great player um, and, and just get him to stop thinking. He's another guy who, you know, you look at the beginning of the year, it's like, man, this guy's taken on a lot. He's didn't have a he didn't have a training camp, essentially or offseason workout program, I should say. And uh, and they put a lot on his plate early and you know, to your point, just use his athleticism. And then you have to also realize you don't have Drew Tranquil, you don't have Derwin James, uh, you know, Joey hasn't right. been in the like, last me, couple of games. And that's the thing, like to me, Drew's a middle. Like, yeah. I would play Drew at middle. Uh, so it's like if he comes back healthy next year and I expect him to be healthy, I'd rather see him in the middle. So why not get, you know, Murray, the, the reps at outside and, and see, you know, because I just think that's a much better configuration of those two players than flipping them, you know, having Murray in middle and Drew outside doesn't make sense to me compared to the other way. So I'd like to see that. I like that, that, that Nas is getting reps at free. Um, I don't really think, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the practice squad now. I just haven't taken a look at it in a while. Um, I don't really see anyone there that 
that makes sense to me to, to kind of bring in, I, I think, you know, I look, I, and I think you said this last week um, and that's that we haven't mentioned the name Austin Eckler in forever. We forgot, you know, and we kind of forgot how important he is to this, to this offense. So, you know, I think it's great what Balazs is doing. I think it's great what Troy Main Pope was doing. I would almost get Pope in there. I want to get reps for Pope. Um, you See know, what you got I think him. that's, yeah, I, to me, that's he's just got juice, man. He's got there. There's electricity in those legs, and and I think he's, you know, I think he. I could totally see he and and Eckler on the field at the same time. You know, moving them all over the place. You know, like chess pieces. One guy stays in the backfield, the other one goes out in the slot or even outside. The second running back, figuring out who that's going to be, right? Is it going to be Joshua Kelly? Is it going to be Troy May Pope? Is it going to be Kalen Balaj? You know, JJ unfortunately was put on IR, so finding kind of that that definitive one-two punch to Austin Eckler. You know, whoever that guy's going to be, whether it's Pope, Balazs, or Kelly, or heck, maybe it's somebody else different in 2021. I I think having – Maybe it's Bradwell. I mean, who knows? You're right. Bradwell too. Yeah. But I think, you know, I I do think – you know, the, the injuries for Justin are so disconcerting because it's every year, you know, and, and I think when I you're taking an act, active roster spot, you know, I feel terrible because when he, he's been good when he's in there. But, you know, if if, if, if you have players like Pope and, and Balazs and, you know, that, that I think will make NFL rosters, if you put them on a practice squad and leave them unprotected, I think they've shown enough that, that another team's going to come scoop them up. I think that makes for a very tough conversation going into next season. Um you know, I, I do think they need to sort stuff out in the secondary. You know, I, I don't know, you know, to, I think Campbell's just been, and, and look, it's tough, right? You know, you ought to have, you know, you ought to have Chris Harris out there and and you don't, you know, so I, I think it's, it's trying to sort through that. Can you find, because we've seen a number of these corners kind of raise their hand, you know, and on, on these other squads that have been able to be picked up off waivers. And, you know, I think that's definitely a position I'd like to see better play and better depth at too. Money, final thing for you, the appreciation for Keenan Allen, man, to, to pass Charlie Joyner and yeah. to be a, to be among uh, the greats in Chargers history, but just what we've seen him do since the team moved up here uh, to Los Angeles, uh, hasn't missed a game, and you wondered what this year was going to be like for him without Phillip Rivers. Uh, he's on pace for more receptions and more targets this year. Uh, than he was last year. I, I think the league has started to catch up with how good Keenan Allen is. We've seen it uh, on an annual basis, but we're, we're continuing to see it this year, even in a down year. Well, I'll say this, and, you know, kudos to to Tom Telesco and, and his staff for locking him up. Because I, I think when that deal was done, it was a little, I don't want to say polarizing, but there were two sides to it. Some people were like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's the kind of receiver that you want to pay that kind kind of money to, you know, you just think of the Odell Beckhams and the Julio Jones and, you know, players that, that kind of make those splash plays, right. Not the guy who has, you know, a career long of, I don't know what his career long is 50 yards. You know what I mean? They want guys that have career longs of 99 and a touchdown. That's the kind of thing you think of. And Keen is just different, but he's almost more valuable. Um, You know, when you go through the stats and you see more catches on third down than any player in the league, more catches on third down for first downs than any player in the league in 20. And that's just in 2020, but it's also going back since he got healthy in 2017. So it's not just a small sample size this year. So if you want to take this year, he's first. And then if you want to go back to 2017, he's first. And I think that's so important and critical to move the chains, 
to get new sets of down, to extend drives, to not have three and outs. Everybody knows where the ball's going and he still figures out a way to get open, especially for a young quarterback. So just stoked that he's going to be on the team for the next four years and, and that he's going to be able to pair up with Herbert and give him a legit one, you know, and, and obviously he's still trying to create. And I think it also speaks to how good he is, how quickly the chemistry was created, right? Cause he's still figuring just out like Mike, that. you know, and he's, and obviously there was some, some magic there early on with guy, but you can see they're, they're still not quite on the same page at times. King and nothing, man. It's like, it's just like they've been paired together forever. He's just that good. So that's, that's a huge win, you know, to have him out there. Um, you know, I think, I think the offensive line is, is one where, you know, and I think that's another good thing, by the way, if you want to mention a positive, you know, because of a, sadly, I think, you know, Pouncey's injuries are, are at a level where you're probably concerned about his career moving forward. Um, I think you found a long-term center in Feeney. I think that's his yeah. position, you know, and, and he's been great at that position. You know, I think he really struggled with the guard last year, but I think he's been a, a solid center. So at least you have that lockdown. You know, Balaga, hope that that back is okay and he stays healthy. And then I think you kind of got to figure out what those other three pieces look like moving forward. And I think one of the other highlights is Dan Finney's style, the the mullet, the yeah, mustache, the flow, the, flow, oh, yeah. the, the outfits. He's got the flow, man. Exactly. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> no, it's impressive. I, I miss not seeing it up close on the plane and having conversations in the back of the plane with him about uh, Orland Park and the south side of Chicago and him going to – right. uh, where do you, he went to Sandberg. That's right. He went to Sandberg and uh, my neighborhood was the shepherd neighborhood. So uh, we always have some pretty good talks about the rivalry. So uh, love the flow, but, but yeah. stoked to see that that worked out. Um, but I do think, you know, that's, that would be my, if, if you asked me about two things that I want to see sorted through, it would be offensive line and defensive back, I think are the, the two that I, I would like to see kind of figured out here. Well, we'll see if they can figure out a, a way to get a win, get to three and seven against the Jets. Yeah. SoFi Stadium Sunday, man. Uh, always love doing this with you. I look forward to seeing love you it. Sunday. And uh, do me a favor. Just uh, feed the dog, huh? Make sure the dogs, make sure that dog's taken care of, Chris. Dude, let me tell you, <laughs> work, working from home. I, uh, my wife's working oh, from home. We all know it, man. I'm working from home. Sully's upset about something. I'm about to find out what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he does make an yeah, appearance here it, man. in this segment. So. Oh yeah, we know it. We know we all we all deal with it. That's why it's fun when it's not me and it's you because it's it's gonna be me as well. <laughs> Here he goes again. Thanks, there buddy. We go. All right, bud. All right, Bolts fans. Before we get to our beat writers roundtable, this season Pizza Hut they're hooking it up with the Bolts of the Hut bundle deal that includes an exclusive Chargers poster. For fourteen ninety nine, Chargers fans will receive a large three topping pizza and a Chargers poster. Right now, it's the Casey Hayward Jr. poster that's available. Collect all six player posters throughout the season. Visit PizzaHut.com deals and enter your zip code to see if your local Pizza Hut is participating in the greater LA area. Offers available for pickup or delivery while supplies last. All right, got the fellas back for a week 11 roundtable. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, Fernando Ramirez, Sports Illustrated, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group. Fellas, how we doing? Fantastic. Great. Great. <laughs> we, we were talking about tequila a few seconds ago, so I think we are doing very well. People were just people were just speculating what Gil had in his, his water thermos, right? I mean, he has, he has a stash for it, so why not? Let, let, let's just guess what he has in there. Well, it's boys, week we 11, guys. Yeah, we didn't do one, we didn't yeah. do one last week. Um, hey, three weeks ago, we were looking at this Chargers team. Okay, go to Denver. 
home for Vegas, coming off that Jags win, and then you go to Miami. It was a much different conversation than it is now. Chargers two and seven, playoff hopes kind of have faded away the, the last three weeks. Uh, Popper, in talking to the coaches and the players this week, it seems like they still have a lot to play for in terms of pride and just showing people the team that they think they are, that they just haven't really proven through the first 10 weeks or so. Yeah, it's sort of gone to the stage of the season where players are talking about how, uh, you know, everyone has film, even if you're winning or losing, and everyone gets paid if you're winning or losing. So the, the motivation now is to not go out there and put bad film out there because you're eventually going to be up for a contract and bad film will, will prevent you from getting that type of contract you want. That's really where we're at. They're two and seven. It would take a miracle for this team to make the playoffs the way they're playing. I just can't envision them beating anyone on the rest of their schedule outside of the Jets and the Broncos. And they still have some really tough teams left on the schedule. And, and it, it's just a shame. At this point, they're just not making plays, and, and they're a bad football team. I mean, they, they, they're bad in situational football. They don't make enough plays. They make too many mistakes. Um, and it's no longer a situation where they're, they're really close and not getting it done. You know, seven losses in nine games tells you everything you need to know about where this football team is at. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the playoff standings right now just, just to do it, right? <laughs> you, you have teams like Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore and Miami and Vegas and Indy. They're all six and three. Uh, a couple of those teams aren't even going to make the playoffs. So that just shows you kind of where the Chargers are right now. And uh, Gil, I don't know, man. I, I look at I look at some of these games where you, you're up 17 against the Bucs and the Saints and you have the 21-point lead against the Broncos. This league is so thin when it comes to margin of error. And sometimes when you win, it comes in bunches, but it's also the same in losing. Yeah, it kind of feels like that storyline about the blown leads feels like a decade ago because there's been a couple games that they've had a lead. Uh, they were kind of behind it with the Raiders and the Dolphins game. Well, it's, a, it's a little weird, but yeah, you're right, Chris. And, you know, it's just a lot of blown opportunities, uh, especially enough for the players. They kept talking about the three interceptions they, they could have had against Tua on Sunday, but it just feels like a lost season. Uh, it seems like playoffs are out of the picture right now at two and seven. But like Papa was saying, there's a lot to play for in, in terms of pride. Uh, but it just feels like there's something new every every week with this team that is kind of they're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, but last week, it just kind of felt like it was, I don't want to say rock bottom because they were, they were pretty close to the end. But that special team's performance was pretty rough for the Chargers. And it was probably one of the worst performances of the year. Yeah, I just talked to Money about the fact that you put your rookie quarterback in a hole so early when we talk about the block punt and then uh, the field goal attempt that turned into a touchdown. And if it weren't for that quarterback center mishap and Nick Vigil picks it up, goes the other way, that that game, Fernando, it could have easily been 21 nothing. So, you know, you get that break. And it looks like, okay, the Chargers are, are in this a little bit, but I don't even think it was really that close Sunday, which is something we haven't seen with this Chargers team. They've been in every game. Sunday just wasn't one of them. Yeah, no, that's what I tell people is that these, these guys don't get blown out. You put them on Sunday night football, Monday night football, they'll give you an entertaining game no matter what, uh, who they're playing. But yeah, no, definitely uh, the score, the scoreboard, I don't think told the whole story. I do feel like they were about that point where, the uh, air was coming out of the balloon. They were dri- the Dolphins were driving down to take a 21-0 lead. And uh, that center uh, quarterback exchange really helped them. Um, they, they weren't capitalizing on Sunday as well. They weren't taking advantage of their opportunities. 
the offense, I mean, Keenan said it on Monday, they were kind of confused uh, in a sense, the way the Dolphins were showing blitz, but then would drop back. Um, so, yeah, no, it was just a bad, like Gilbert was saying about the special teams, bad performance, Popper hit it on the nail on the head. It's just a bad football team right now. And there's a lot of questions being asked uh, by people outside of the building uh, of the team moving forward. And there's not a lot of answers uh, being given out. So it's they still have stuff to play for. I mean, these guys still want jobs. They still want to um, play in the NFL and everything. But uh, it does look like the season's winding down. And uh, like Popper said, it just it Atlanta's going to be tough. New England's going to be tough. Like they have a lot of games, even this weekend against the Jets. It's going to be a tough game uh, just because of what Joe Flacco has been and could still be. Um, and this, these guys just make everything harder on themselves. Kind of like when I was in high school, I used to make every, every class was a little bit harder just because I didn't focus. So <laughs> I feel like there's some similarities. Going for it. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some similarities between the Chargers and me in high school. So, uh, but the end result is all that matters. <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, we're week 11. We're comparing the Chargers to Fernando in high school at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing over here? Hey, I, guys, I also I pose this to buddy. I'm really curious to get your answers on this, too. As we look at these last seven games, which player or players do you want to see more of in terms of development in an effort to see, OK, is this is this player going to be a, a long term player on the Chargers in 2021 and moving forward? It could be a rookie, it could be a guy who's been here for two or three years. I know you may need a second to think about it, but but Popper, what do you think? So I think it's a good question, but for me, it's not as much about people that I want to see play more. It's guys that are already playing that I need to see play better to know that they are a part of this core moving forward. Yeah. So that starts with Nasir Adderley for me. This guy was a second round pick and he does, he looks lost out there, frankly. And, it, and it's week after week of him uh, making mistakes in coverage, pre-snap read type stuff, um, mental mistakes, missing tackles, poor angles, um, he has not played well in pretty much any game this season. And this was a real opportunity for him to go out there and prove that he could be a part of this core moving forward. Um, where he fits into this defense now, I don't really know. Because once Derwin's healthy, you're going to move Rayshon back to free safety. And, and can Nasir Adderley be trusted in the dime package? Can he be trusted as a nickel corner? Uh, it's not exactly clear, but when you spend a second-round pick on a player, you expect him to be able to perform. Even though he missed all last year with the, with the hamstring injury, you expect him to be able to perform better than this. And the other guy I would throw into there um, is, is Kenneth Murray. You know, you, you moved back into the first round to draft this linebacker to be your Mike of the future, your middle linebacker, or leader of this team. Um, and I haven't seen enough consistency from him either. Now, what, what you can say is that none of these players got a full offseason. And, and obviously, Kenneth Murray, particularly as a rookie, would have benefited greatly from that. Nasir Adderley is effectively a rookie and would have benefited greatly from that. So it's hard to knock them too much for not seeing the development that you were expecting. Um, but both those guys are should be big parts of this team's core moving forward, and it's not clear if they are. On the offensive side, I'll throw Trey Pipkins out there. Um, I'm not sure how much he's going to get into to action just because Brian Bulaga is, is healthier now. Um, but you, you, have seen a little bit of him, but he needs to get as much playing time as physically possible, uh, to see if he can actually be a starting tackle in this league moving forward. And I think the jury is still out in that department too. And you can even throw Sam Tevy in there as well. Yeah. Three, four good ones there. Gil, what about you? Yeah. You could pretty much say the last two draft classes of 2019, 2020, there's a lot of guys are not doing too well right now uh, outside of Drew Tranquil and Justin Herbert. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of mixed reviews on the other guys, but I'll narrow it down. So I could, I could leave Fernando a couple guys. 
to choose from. So I'll go with Joshua Kelly. You know, he, this guy was very productive in training camp uh, the first two weeks of the year, and he's kind of just fell off. And opportunities are right there for Joshua Kelly. No Justin Jackson, no Austin Eckler. He's getting the touches. He's not getting the yards per carry. Uh, goal line was his job. He didn't really do that. Uh, short yard situation, also his job. He's not getting it done. He's leaving opportunities for Tremaine Pope and Kellen Balage. So I think for him, you want to be part of this future. He has seven games to do something about it. You gotta find Good that def- you gotta find that definitive running back to complement Austin Eckler, I believe, in 2021. I think we're still waiting to see if that player's on this roster or you have to get one in 2021. Uh Fernando, what about you, bud? I don't know. Pop took all of them. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh I got three more I can give you. I know, I bet. <laughs> I think I'm going to hit one of them. Uh, I think I'm going to get one of them. Uh, who's Jerry Tillery? I mean, we still haven't found out. If, is Jerry Tillery? He looks like he's better at defensive end than he is at defensive tackle. Um, he's done, like last week, he had a, a chance to sack Tua Tungabailoa and just uh, didn't get it done. But he, he's looked a lot – like when Justin Jones is in there, when the defensive line is healthy and they give him minimal reps, he shines. When Justin Jones went out – he just he we didn't know where he was. You didn't really see many flashes of him. Uh, so we need to see who Jerry Tilly really is. Uh, the coaches all say that he needed this whole offseason, that he did really well, that he got back. Uh, last year, I remember he was dealing when he came in with a, a labrum issue, I think. Um, so this year he's uh, we haven't really we've seen flashes of him, but it's been more at defensive end and on minimal snaps. So I, I really think that we need to see – he was a first-round draft pick for a reason. Tom Telesco believed that he was a first-rounder, that he had the talent, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I feel like he's one of those guys that, that we need to see what he really is. Because um, if not, I mean, the, the, team, the team would uh, – we've seen Telesco in the past. He's willing to move on and get rid of those guys and, uh, and take a risk on somebody else. So we definitely need to see who Jerry Tillery is um, – hopefully within the next year, just because, like I said, he's a first-rounder and you just haven't seen much from him. I'll add one more here, Chris. Okay, go for it. I want to see if you're going to take the one I had. Go for it. Oh, oh, no, you go ahead. ahead. (laughs) No, I I was just going to ask you guys what you think about just getting more snaps for you, Chen and Nuoso. Because that's a guy – and I realize once Melvin and Joey are healthy together – of course, there's not many snaps to go around, but if there's a way to see more of him, I think he only has 45% of the snaps this year, three and a half sacks. Uh, he, I thought he played okay in uh, in Melvin Ingram's absence. It's just another guy who's in his third year that you want to see if he can consistently rush the passer for this team. Yeah, his 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 best position is at Leo, which is where Melvin Ingram plays, their weak side defensive end. And so he's only going to get snaps effectively when Melvin Ingram isn't on the field. Yeah. And so when Melvin Ingram is healthy, he's going to get those snaps. Now, when Melvin Ingram comes up, is, is not healthy and out of the lineup, then Chen and also can come in and, and get snaps. The issue is you can try and bring in the speed package on third downs where you have Mel and Uchenna and Joey rushing the passer. The issue with that is, and you saw it in this game, I mean, it wasn't Joey, it was Jerry Tillery at, at defensive end on the other side. But, you know, that, that's a really easy front to run against because you've got Melvin Ingram is obviously a really good run defender, but he's not like a he's not like a stout player. He's not like a, a you know, like a Linval Joseph or a defensive tackle type guy. And then you have Yuchen Nuosu in there who could be the guy roaming around. So you effectively have a guy playing defensive tackle who's undersized. And you saw it in this in this game against the Dolphins. They ran for a first down in 36 in a crucial situation when they had that speed package out there. 
So it's just tough to find him more snaps right now. But yeah. that's the reason why I think that they'll move on from Mel in the offseason. Um, he's going to he's gonna be, have a market. He's, a, he's an elite edge rusher, and, and those guys get paid in this league. And so you look at the cap is lowered down to 175. That's the floor. You have an option, Shannon Nuosu, who's an ascending player, much cheaper, um, makes more sense for the cap, could make more sense for the, for the roster in general, even though Melvin Ingram is still a really good player. Who was the other one you had, Bobber? Sorry, Chris. I was going to say my one, my one question about that is why, why not experiment with Shannon Nuosu and Melvin Ingram on the field at the same time? I know they're kind of similar in stature and, and position, but why not try it out? I want to see Shannon Nuosu more out there. And, and Melvin Ingram, maybe he could maybe he could provide more of a spark, but it seemed like they're very they're very committed to the big end, kind of big size with uh, Rochelle and Tillery. But getting getting Oluso out there, that guy's a could this be a good week to do it, Gil? I mean, Flacco is going to sit in a pocket. You, you want to get Flacco off his of spots and, and and affect him. They they have to find a way to to get after the quarterback this year. Yeah, and but this could be the, the perfect week for the defensive line to kind of get it back together. They're gonna have everybody healthy. Hopefully, Joy Bosa is ready to go. He's been a full participant since being clear from the concussion. But you get that second wave again with, with Nuwusu and Tillery uh, and and Damon Square and just these when they have those eight guys healthy, they're they're pretty legit and pretty stacked up top. But yeah. you know, when guys get hurt, I want to see guys step up. But like Tillery, he he's he's good when he's a backup, but as a starter, he hasn't done too much. And Nwusu has to have a specific injury to kind of get on the field. So that, that kind of just makes me kind of question, you know, why not just try out and be more, you know, ex- experiment out there and, and you're two and seven. Why not try out more, more rotations, yeah. more combinations, and see how it works out. But you're right, Chris. I think this could be the perfect week for that, that D-line to kind of break out. But I'm just kind of confused of why, why aren't you trying out, you know, more combinations with the D-line? Well, you just worry about it. They're already, they're already a bad run defense. Like they're allowing the eighth most yards per carry of any team in the league. And that's without – doing the type of rotations you're talking about. So you bring in two undersized defensive ends. What, what, what do you, you're basically asking for another team to run all over you. I, and like, you make a good point though. Like you don't know if it'll work until you try it, but that would be the logic behind not going in that direction. Like they're already struggling with Linval Joseph and Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery on the line. What happens when you go even smaller? I think that's probably the, the approach I, of the coaching staff. I feel like this is a question we've been asking though, since Uchenna got drafted. It's like, why isn't he playing more? Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? Because every time he's in there, like you guys have mentioned, he is a spark. He ends up getting the sack. He got a big sack on Breeze, I remember, um, mm-hmm. uh, in week five. So, I mean, it, it, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Sean Phillips when he first uh, was on the – like when he first got there. It was Sean Merriman, Sean Merriman, Sean Merriman. And they're like, oh, wait, there's another Sean on the other side, and it was Sean Phillips. <laughs> so that's kind of like what where he kind of reminds me of Sean Phillips a little bit. Uh, just because of the way he um, – obviously, Joey, Melvin take precedence, but Uchenna's still good. He still has, I think, three and a half sacks this season, and that's only second to Joey Bosa. So, I mean, um, for some reason, Melvin Ingram just hasn't been able to get to the quarterback this year, uh, doesn't have a sack. So, I mean, I, I maybe maybe they need to try the same tactic with Melvin Ingram that they've been doing with Jerry, giving him more limited snaps, letting – doing more of a rotation with uh, – with uh, Uchenna and keeping him fresh a little bit so that he can go up to um, and maybe not run out of – I'm not saying that they're running out of juice, but I'm just saying keeping these guys fresh, that's kind of like what they were doing in 2018 and last season is trying to keep these guys fresh, not play a lot of snaps. But this year it seems like because of so many injuries, they've kind of limited that back a little bit, and they've had guys play longer uh, periods of time during the game because of injuries and all that taking place. But Uchenna is one of those guys that I've been – that we've all clamored for since his rookie year is that, Hey, get this guy on the field. Every time he's on there, he does something big. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I bring him up just because he's one of these young pieces that we're going to see in 2021, right? You're going to see Tranquil back on the field, Derwin, um, and so, some of these other guys that, that they've drafted and developed. I mean, Jerry Tiller is another one where you do want to see him continually improve this year just so, you know, in his third year, he's ready to go and he could be a reliable starter. Uh, but Popper, you have one more guy. Yeah, I had one more. Joe Reed. Can we get some Joe Reed, please? I mean, Joe the guy Reed? is. Oh, we can call Joe Reed. Do you want to yeah, say that? No. no, 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 no. <laughs> Joe Reed, rookie out of Virginia, fifth round pick. No, he, he. Listen, when they they have these very limited packages for him, where they're running these 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 jet sweep jet motions, trying to basically use him in a Debo Samuel type role. How they use him? How they use Debo Samuel out in, in San Francisco? But he's he's getting a snap here, a play here. Like let's just put the put the ball in the guy's hands. I mean, he he is a playmaker. He, he makes guys miss, and he gets positive yards when the ball in his when the ball is in his hands more times than not. That's a good question. I don't think he has a catch. I think I it's been all handouts unless unless they count one of those shovels that they did to him as a, as uh-huh. a reception. Um, but get him in space. Like like Gil Gil said the perfect thing earlier when when it comes to decision making over the over these final seven games. Right? What do you have to lose? You're two and seven. So going out there and running the ball 70% of the time on first and second down, that makes no sense. Go out there and be aggressive. Go for it on fourth downs and and try and play to win games. And that includes putting the ball in the hands of the guys that have been most successful this season. And Joe Reed has been an efficient player with the ball in his hands. So so what do you have to lose? Say he has a a negative game and, and loses some yards. So what? You can't get any worse than you are right now. I, I like Joe Reed a lot as a kid. I mean, we saw him in week one. That 46-yard kick return really helped them win the game. They scored a touchdown, I think, on that drive, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So Joe Reed – and, you know, I know K.J. Hill muffed that punt and, and had, a, had a lapse last week too. But he has like a 30-yard punt return too this year. I, I'm, I'm curious I, – I don't know if you can really integrate K.J. Hill – in the offense very consistently. Now, when you have a guy like Keenan Allen, who's the possession guy, you got the speed guy, Guyton, uh, you got Hunter on the field. You got Mike Williams, uh, T Billy every now and again. And then Joe Reed. I mean, the, Justin's done a great job of spreading the ball around, but you can't get everybody involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they could like, they have some packages where they move Keenan outside and then they can play KJ in the slot. That's when he's in the game. That's what they do. Um, but let's be frank. He hasn't really earned, offensive reps this season. I mean, when he's been in there, he's dropped balls and hasn't, he's been fine as a punt return besides that, that muff punt. Um, but as a receiver, he hasn't really made the plays that have come, that have come his way. And there's other guys that are making plays. I mean, Jalen Guyton is making plays. Tyron Johnson's making plays. Um, and so those guys are going to get the reps as that third wide receiver over KJ Hill right now. All right, let's flip it to the jets, uh, a key to the game and a player to watch for Sunday jets come to town they're 0-9. Uh, I look at two weeks ago, though, they almost beat the Patriots. Uh, Denzel Mims is a really good player. Uh, Jameson Crowder, uh, Brashad Perryman. So their wide receiving core couple with Flacco, you never know. Their defense is uh, is very young and beat up right now. It could be a good opportunity for Justin to get back on track after his worst game as a pro in which he had three total touchdowns. But, <laughs> Gil, we'll start with you, man. You know, I'll, I'll take – is that yours? Is that Justin Herbert is your guy? Because I'll take him, Chris. Go for it. For the first time, Justin Herbert looked like a rookie a week ago. He was pretty confused. He, he I don't know if he admitted it, but uh, Kenny Allen said they were pretty confused with the looks and the disguises of the blitz packages. And it got into his head a lot that the reputation that the Miami Dolphins have, they're, they're a blitz-heavy team, and they didn't really come after him too much. But it got into his head. He had rush throws. 
that costly interception in the fourth quarter. So we forget that Justin Herbert is a rookie because he's been playing so well. So I want to see him kind of, you know, get right, get back on, on track, make it a one-week kind of thing, uh, spread the ball around again, do it against a pretty bad Jets team, which is 0-9. Uh, so for Justin Herbert, you know, hopefully he, he takes my challenge. I know he has a new haircut as well. A lot of pressure on that haircut, too, because if he doesn't play well with the buzz cut, they're going to blame it on the haircut. So a lot of pressure on the rookie right now. Bro, he's Anakin Skywalker. He's the chosen one. Come on, bro. Respect on that name. Let's talk about NFL storyline of the week. Justin Herbert's hair. It's amazing. Popper got that rolling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your tweet blew up. <laughs> Just giving the people what they want. All right, I'll give you mine. Joey Bosa, healthy, f- feeling as healthy as he has all season coming off this concussion. He's got some extra time to rest his body. Obviously, you know, the primary concern is making sure his mind is right and his brain is right, and it seems like he's gotten to that point. Um, but this is going to be a, a, a good matchup for him. I mean, I, I don't know how much he's going to end up lining up over, over Mekhi Becton um, but he, as, at that left tackle spot. Um, but he, when he's right, He's a dominant, dominant player, and he's obviously, based on his comments today, fired up to get back out there. So we could be looking at a, a huge Joey Bosa game, you know, two, three sacks, some big run stops, tackle for losses, maybe a strip sack in there. I think we he's he's due, and I think he's raring to go. So he's my guy. Key to the game. Uh, you got a key to the game, Pop? Key to the, key to the game is just make some plays on defense. Like, for once, go out there and make – some plays instead of dropping interceptions and, 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 and allowing 20 yard rushes all over the place. Like this jets team is, is talent deficient. Go out there and play a dominant 60 minutes of football and defense and put it together, make plays and, and put up, put 60 minutes together, a full game, no lapses. That's boom. Boom. Fernando. <laughs> hey, I fired up pop is who I love. That's why I sit next to you on game day. So I love it. I love fired up two pop. and seven. This is what you get. <laughs> I'm tired of watching bad football. The popper curve continues. <laughs> uh, key to the game, I, just go out there and play loose. Don't don't feel that whole pressure. Like, go out there and just play football. Like Pop said earlier, Joe Reed, throw him in there. Let him get some reps on offense. Uh, just my my that's my key. Just go out there and play football. Don't feel all the pressure of outside the building. Just feel uh, – you guys having to go up against the New York Jets, uh, know that they're they're obviously a bad football team, but it's like uh, Justin Herbert said, their record is not a reflective of who they are. They know it's going to be tough. It's a Greg, uh, Greg Williams run defense, so you know it's going to be aggressive. I want to have a player to watch, but I, I think it's the secondary as a whole. Uh, I think that the secondary has not had so a good season this year, and um, I feel like they need a bounce-back game. The, the Jets have a dangerous – uh, receiving core. I know that um, they haven't. Their record doesn't reflect that. But hey, their 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 receivers could uh, make it a long day. And obviously, those guys go deep. Um, Casey has kind of gotten beat uh, deep sometimes this season, a couple of times this season. So uh, the secondary is going to have to have a very good game if the Chargers are to win this game um, on Sunday. My player to watch is Caleb Balaj. It's revenge game times two, man. He he ran inspired against the Dolphins. I'm not saying he's going to get the amount of carries he got last week, but he'll be efficient with his touches because I think we all want to see Justin Herbert throw the ball down the field. But Balaj, listen to this, man. You go Dolphins, you play three games for the Jets 
earlier this year, you know he's going to want to show out uh, against uh, Adam Gase and company. I think Balage is, is my guy to watch. And then just, Popper, you said it, make a play on defense. Sack Flacco five times. How about that? Like Get Flacco on the ground. Uh, make him uncomfortable. And hopefully that leads to uh, some incompletions, some potential interceptions. The defense is going to have to score or, or do something to get Justin the lead and, and make him comfortable. Don't let him play from behind. Hold on to the football. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. All right, guys. That was fun. Listen, Always it's, it's it's two and seven. We we still make the best of it. Uh, we'll see you at SoFi Stadium. Chargers, Jets. Always appreciate you guys hanging around for these roundtables. They're fun. Anytime. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Daniel Popper, Gilbert Manzano, Fernando Ramirez, and Matt Money-Smith for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.